You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Hi, I'm Deb. I'm here with my husband, Mike, the host of Mike Seminary and Friends. And Han, I'm anxious to hear who you've got coming up in the next few weeks for guests. Well, I've been busy recording. I've had people that work in the streets of Watts in L.A. working with gang members, people that are traveling the world doing mission work, former addicts that, through the grace of God, have turned their lives around, motivational speakers. I've had a lot of great guests. I'm anxious to hear this week's show. Well, let's get to it. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. You know, I've done, I think, 60 podcasts now, and I try to focus on what I call needle mowers, people that are doing things that really inspire me, people that are making big differences in the lives of others. Not every guest does that necessarily because, it, you know, there's other things that are of interest that appeal to me. But I have a real soft spot in my heart for entrepreneurs, particularly young ones, and a real soft spot for people that are social entrepreneurs, folks that are committed to making life better for others that might not have the same benefits that some of us have. Because that's all about community. It's about love. That's about making this just a much better place to live. And I get really excited when I have an opportunity to visit with folks like that. So to that end, Josh Reinmetz is the executive director of Breakthrough Twin Cities. Josh, welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. Thank you for taking time to join me. It's great to see you. How are you? Yeah, doing really well. Mike, thank you so much. It's it's an honor to be here. And, uh, you know, it's uh, seen a number of your podcasts and uh, and the guests you've had. It's it's cool to be included uh, in that company. So really excited uh, to talk with you today. So thank you. We're going to talk a whole lot about what you're doing, but this is really fascinating to me that seven degrees of separation, whatever that thing is. I asked you before we started when you graduated and then about students today, leaders forever, which you were a part of. Well, I think it was 2009, I was a guest speaker at North Dakota Student Council Leadership Conference. And this young guy, just he is just on fire. He's just lit up because he sees this book I have called The Possible Dream. That book was written by one-time Bloomington, Minnesota Mayor Bob Benedict, based on an organization that he started in the 60s called Teen Corps, which I was a part okay. of the summer of 1970. I went to Tennessee to build community centers and daycare centers, and this Greg Tavine sees this book, and he just lit up because he said, I, I just talked to this guy. And so I formed this relationship with Greg, who was just one of the, and then interviewed Greg and Brian and Irene later on for a book that I wrote, have never published. And I learned that you put like four or six years of your life into that same organization, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, um, Greg, Irene, Brian, Nickers, I mean, they're all good friends of mine. And uh, I got to work, I was Greg's successor at Students Today Leaders Forever. So, you know, I worked with them in college and sort of grew up with them 
uh, in that leadership experience. And then uh, after teaching, so I, I moved uh, to the Southeast United States to teach. And when I came back, it was to work at Students Today Leaders Forever. It, uh, it made an incredible impact in my life and you know, affected thousands of young people, especially in the upper Midwest. Well, before we leave that, I want to tie that into kind of how I opened this, Josh. Yeah. Social entrepreneurs. You know, th- thank God that we have entrepreneurs that are risk takers in whatever they pursue, right? Mm-hmm. But it's social entrepreneurship that maybe not, maybe we don't talk about that type of individual, that type of organization enough because we focus on the Jeff Bezos and, and others of the world because they're, they're, they're kind of the shiny baubles, right? Yeah. But when you were in Students Today Leaders Forever, I'm going to assume that you already had in you this earning, this urge and desire to make change somehow. So, and if I'm wrong, correct me. So you took that spark that you had in your life, you joined this great organization. How did that help you develop your desires to eventually pursue after teaching, which is kind of the same thing in some (laughs) ways, you know, how did that help you develop this love and passion that you have? You know, it's it's an interesting sort of chicken and egg piece, right? What was an aid, nature, nurture type type approach? And um, with Student State Leaves Forever, I think what really fueled it was the community. So the people that I got to be around when I was a college student and going on these uh, spring break trips to engage with others and use that time to hopefully make the world a better place, and to when I was employed uh, at Students Day Leaders Forever and leading those efforts, the, the unique piece about it was I was always surrounded by good people, right? These are all wonderful individuals who leave places better than when they found them, right? Um, and, and, and I'll use that, you know, places in the broadest term, people too, right? Um, they're just good folks. And so when you're surrounded by so many good people, then when you see an issue, uh, a problem, you, you have an on a problem-solving mindset, an asset-based mindset, right, where you want to do something to fix it and, and or help, right, uh, in any way you can. And so um, I think that really fueled just my continued uh, passion to, to work in this space and to have my career in this space. But then also it's personally fulfilling, right? Like, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I didn't get a lot out of those experiences that I'm helping others, you know, quote, unquote, but I'm certainly helping myself too. And so you have this really beautiful benefit of making the world better and uh, feeling personally fulfilled. And so when you have a, I don't know, an insight, a taste of, of that type of experience, and, and you know that that type of goodness really exists, that's something that, you know, I want to continue to be a part of. And so it's, it's easy to make them decisions afterwards to, because I know it's there, right? I don't have to find it. I know it's present, and in, in some cases, I can even create that type of environment uh, as well. Yeah. Now, I, I'm going to paraphrase what you just said. Here's kind of what I heard. Yeah. And you were really eloquent in how you shared that. When we're involved in the type of work you just described, it's a lot easier for us to put our head on the pillow at night and sleep pretty comfortably and conversely, then in the morning, it's a lot easier to put our feet on the floor 
kind of looking forward to the day and said, well, crap, here's what I got to do today. That That's kind of what I heard. Yeah. 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 So there's this kid from Bismarck, North Dakota, Josh Ryman. Yeah. Fairly small community, really close knit. It's, you know, it's pretty idyllic, Bismarck, and places up in the upper Midwest. Their uh, economy's good. You know, winters sometimes are interesting. <laughs> Uh, you have good friends. We have an incredible education system, health care, all of that. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that. Right. So you end up going to Atlanta to teach fourth graders. Mm-hmm. I'm probably leaving a whole bunch of interesting stuff out, but you can, <laughs> you can fill in any gap. For sure. And I'm, I'm going to assume that you saw a little bit different type of system in terms of What's being provided? What could we do better? How are how's the student population benefiting? Kind kind of walk me through what you learned, and, and not just doom and gloom, but you know what are what were the great things and what uh, some areas you thought maybe we could do better? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I mean that was so. So when I was in college, I, I was pursuing a, a degree in communications and and really on a journalism track, right? Like you know, I I had a radio show. I was working at KFYR, interning for, you know, a summer working at um, Hot 97.5, right? <laughs> so Bismarck Media Institutions, just to see, right? Like little TV, little radio, you know, calling sports for NDSU, um, just trying to get my, my feet wet. And I had a chance to go to Washington, D.C., where I interned in the U.S. Senate. Um, and, and at that point, it was Senator Conrad's office. And I met a guy from uh, South Dakota's office, and he had just finished this, uh, this program uh, where he was teaching in New Orleans. It was a two-year program and a chance to like, really explore um, uh, or, or give back right, to a community that didn't have the education system like Bismarck um, uh, does. And so um, he was describing the experience, and he quit halfway through. It was exceedingly hard. He hated every moment of it. But as he was describing it to me, I was like, this is what I want to do. Right? Like, that was the moment where it really came on for me. And so that's what took me um, off the journalism track to a education pathway and down to Atlanta, where I was able to actually like be present there. And, and boy, did I not know what I was getting into. Um, and, and I'm glad I got into it uh, because what I lived then uh, as a teacher was a very different public school experience than what I had in Bismarck public schools. And, um, and it's unfair, right? Like, I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's, it's flat out unfair. And there's no reason that these wonderful young people, whether it's Atlanta, New Orleans, um, Pine Ridge, South Dakota, right? Like pick your place, but there's no reason that these wonderful deserving young people shouldn't have access to a great education. Um, and, and really the only thing that the main thing that's different is where they're living and it's something that they don't have control over. And so that lit a huge fire in me. And, what I saw was a completely different school environment, a completely different school culture, um, different student needs that were present. Um, you know, I, I had, uh, and even within Atlanta, right? Like I worked with, our school was, gosh, 99% um, low income. So free and reduced lunch is, is our proxy for measuring that in education. Um, and uh, my friend who worked with me and then moved to the wealthier part of Atlanta, um, actually disliked that experience because that um, at my school, we were working with student behavior, right? And it's, it's essentially supporting them through past trauma, right? And, and how do we help, um, again, things through no fault of their own, them plug in in a healthy way, socializing in academics, 
um, and, and moving forward. Uh, but then my, my friend who moved to this other school, her problem was the parents. <laughs> like they were, they were so entitled and like, my kids deserve this. And like, it's so hard to deal with them. They're trying to run her classroom and, and all this stuff. And so, you know, depending on where you are, even within the same city, um, you, you have very different school experiences and you have very different like education experiences. And so when we think about like what can be done differently in education, I think that's, that's partially, and, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but that's partially what gets me excited about breakthrough is there's a, a real individualized approach. Like what you needed in school, Mike, is not something what I needed in school. And it's not something that Jahari needed when I was teaching him, right? And so I think like to the degree that we're able to meet students where they're at and recognize that nobody wants to fail, right? None of the students I was teaching, none of their parents wanted to be, you know, bad kids, bad parents, respectively, right? They all are doing their absolute best to, to live their best life. And I think if we can come at it with that understanding um, and an asset-based mindset that, that they want to do good, right? Like they, these are good people and they have yeah. really wonderful qualities. That's where I think we can make some, not only like shifts in the classroom, but larger systemic shifts. Well, that's the end of the show yeah. right there. <laughs> so before we use your perfect segue to breakthrough, I, I want to address a couple things I just heard. First of all, I heard the guy that was studying journalism and had broadcasting experience because you were so eloquent and so on fire. I could tell I was listening to a guy that had spent time in a room with a microphone talking and you think somebody's listening to you. Because I do that all the time with my podcast, yeah. right? So very passionate. And then you used a key word when it comes to environment, particularly for young folks, that a lot of people might not connect the dots to, and that's trauma. And the importance of trauma and development and education can never be understated or underestimated because trauma early in life for young people can set the stage or not for how well they'll develop and their ability to learn. And that's huge. As a guy that's been involved in economic development on a, a, you know, a Bismarck, Mandan, region, state, and beyond uh, way, that can never be underestimated how important that is. Because if you have good water, to, you know, you have good education, mm -hmm. you have access to good health care, uh, and then people that care, you got a good thing going on. If you, any one of those are missing, you're at risk of not being able to pursue as vigorously and as healthy an opportunity for you and your family and your future. And one of those keys is education. And if there's trauma early in your life, you are already at a disadvantage. And a lot of people kind of don't get that. And I'm going on way too long here, but you just perfectly described uh, what more people need to know more about and now leads us into breakthrough. As, as I've spent some time reading everything on your website, I went, oh my gosh, this is an incredible organization. It, it's, it is dealing with what I just talked about it's all about commitment. It's about discipline. It's about respect and all of that. So tell us, Breakthrough Twin Cities, who started it, when it was started, and then how you were drawn to it. Yeah, and absolutely. And we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
We started, so we're, we're from a program called Summer Bridge in the late 70s, and it started in the Bay Area, um, and then has, has grown in Virgin since. So there are 24 breakthroughs now, uh, you know, spread all around the country, and, and even one in Hong Kong. Um, and the initial idea was that uh, we could leverage essentially private schools, now independent schools is the term that we use, um, could use their resources and, and affluence. To, to do outreach um, into the broader community and open their doors and, and their faculty and all that to, to hopefully provide more opportunity for people that couldn't afford it. Um, and Breakthrough Twin Cities has been around since 2005. And uh, it, it stemmed from uh, Jeff Oaks was our founder. He was what we call a teaching fellow in uh, the Minneapolis version of Breakthrough. And uh, what he did there and experienced as a college student was uh, transformational. It was life-changing for him. And he said, hey, we need this on the other side of, of Minneapolis. You know, this St. Paul, we, there's a little divide. For some reason, it's really hard to cross that river, uh, but <laughs> we, we need it for the kids over there, right? They need this too. And so he, he found a, a school to partner with, Mounts Park Academy, and they, were, they, they took us on. They, we became a program of their institution. And so they opened their doors, they provided us space, they provided us monetary resources, uh, everything we needed to get up and running. Um, in 2012, we formed a 501c3, so a, a nonprofit entity of our own, and that's when uh, really the, the tide shifted because what was happening was our funders were pushing us to grow, and we recognized that uh, if we were going to serve more students, increase our impact, we, we had to have our own sort of entity and, and uh, work under that, those auspices. Now, Wild Spark Academy is still a generous partner. We still headquarter our offices there. We still hold our site there. Like, they're, they're still, um, you know, really wonderful partners. Um, but now what that's afforded us the opportunity to do was um, expand to a third site. So now we have another site uh, in partnership with St. Paul Schools. We opened up a site in um, Eastern Carver County, which is in the southwest metro area, which gets more into the social entrepreneur aspect. How do we not just rely on philanthropic dollars, but how do we leverage our strong value proposition of the our results, essentially how we work with students to, to um, get more income and make us more sustainable. And what Breakthrough actually looks like is we um, meet students when they're sixth graders, so, you know, roughly 12 years old, and um, they opt into the program. So they have to fill out an application, little short essays, but we're, what we're looking for, we don't have, you know, a minimum GPA or anything like that, but what we look for is students who want to go to college, right? That's that's our goal is we want students who see um, post-secondary opportunities or, or something that they want to work toward. And, um, and we say, hey, we're going to help you get there. And, uh, and we, you know, we know this process, but we'll help you navigate that. And so we have five need-based criteria. And if students meet two of those, they would be eligible for a breakthrough. And so these are your kind of standard systemic barriers, right? If students are eligible for free and reduced lunch, if uh, students speak a language at home other than English, if they're first in their family to go to college, if uh, they're part of a single single parent household, um, or if they're of generation of a, a race underrepresented in college, and most of our students meet four of those, uh, some of them five, and so you know our systems are not built to help support them. And what Breakthrough does is um, helps them navigate it. Like they're wonderful individuals, capable individuals, and all we're doing is is helping them find out what they don't know. Um, and because they didn't have parents who went to college, they, their families are recent immigrants. Um, and, and so uh, those are just things that, that I think, you know, they, they're, these students are really no different than me uh, when I grew up. Uh, however, they just, I had parents who, who drilled college into me early on. That was never a question. The system was built for a guy like me to go to college. 
um, and be successful. And so um, we're just trying to level that playing field and let these students, um, you know, earn their way to college just like everyone else does, but from the same footing. So there, there's five criteria. Most of them meet four, which clearly in a roundabout way says they're, I don't want to say under-resourced. I don't know if that's the right term, but you, that's a word that's used with some frequency, I think, on the website. Yeah. How does under-resourced then match up with the criteria that you just listed? Yeah, that, that would be it, right? And one thing we're doing, too, is, uh, you know, under-resources on our website, and that was, uh, that's been part of our mission statement since we were founded. And it's actually something we're revisiting, and we'll probably uh, change that language soon because it is deficit-based, right? Like, it's, it's putting a label on students that, um, that creates an assumption about who they are and what their capabilities are. And so even us, uh, you know, who, who've been in this work for 17 years, are, are still learning and adapting to try and make sure that we're putting our students in the most positive light because we want the assumption to be, hey, this is a student. This is a young person with dreams, with aspirations. How do we help them achieve those? Not someone, you know, who's, who's fighting or destined to fail. And so, you know, certainly those under-resourced aspects are, that's why we have the need-based criteria. Like our goal is to be an equity-based organization to support people that our current system doesn't. Um, and so that's, I guess, you know, they're part of groups that have been traditionally marginalized. Um, and so we try and um, focus our efforts and our resources to people who, who just need more because the system's left them behind. I'm going to ask you a question. First, you'll think, what does it have to do with breakthrough? All right. When you were in the school system in Bismarck, did you participate in Marketplace of Ideas Oh, or Marketplace for Kids? Oh, gosh. I think one time when I was younger. So it was, I, I, I did it once, um, uh, but I, I was actively involved in a lot of different, <laughs> different functions within the system. The reason I ask, I was on the board and I saw... Yeah. I for all the years I was involved, I saw a lot of kids come through that system, and I would they typically would uh, be fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. And there were times I'd see the same kid as a fourth grader, a fifth grader, and a sixth grader through this wonderful program, which still exists, by the way. The reason I bring it up is I was so impressed with the commitment, both in terms of the student, the family member, and the organization, because it's a six-year deal. Right. And starting in sixth grade, where we're all kind of unique individuals when it comes to sixth grade, we're <laughs> just becoming kind of socially acceptable for a lot of teachers, right? <laughs> right. And Because that's a challenge, that's a real challenge, because you got hormones, all sorts of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And if you have f four of those five uh, uh, qualifiers in your life, uh, kind of a, a unique, unique set of circumstances. Tell me why this six-year commitment? How was that identified? Because I, I think it's just brilliant, by the way. Thanks. It, yeah, it originally started as a two-year commitment, but uh, for middle schoolers, right? What we realized, and what well, what what all my predecessors realized is that. Um, we weren't catching students early enough. So by the time they get to some, you know, we'll call it college access programming, their junior year, they're, they're so far behind in credits. Um, they're, you know, disillusioned with a system that, you know, talks about content that isn't relative to their lived experience or their family background. Um, and so breakthrough started earlier. 
we started in seventh grade. You know, we recruit them in sixth grade. They start right before they enter their seventh grade year. We have this wonderful summer program that's a mix of academic learning to help, and it's, and it's forward-facing. So it's not remedial. You don't feel like you're being punished like in summer school uh, can often feel like. Uh, and so it's forward-facing. It helps students feel successful, and we build a community of belonging. And from there, we said, hey, like, we can provide more ongoing support that would take them all the way through graduation. And so that's uh, how we grew, uh, right? First, first we became a three-year program, so we'd see them all the way through middle school and that transition to high school. Then it would move forward into how do we get them internships? How do we sit down and talk about how to fill out the FAFSA, which is a difficult document? Um, and, and my family, like, I didn't know how to do it, and we were all literate. We all spoke English, um, but we had to work through that. And so how can we guide them through that? How can we tell them that, okay, maybe XYZ private college um, has a pretty high sticker price, but they're going to have more scholarships, so it's actually cheaper for you to go there and reduce the monetary um, burden that it would take to go to college. And so all those things combined, I think, is what, what helped us form that six-year program and that six-year commitment and why we have such great retention rates, why we have such great graduation results, not only in high school but in college. Because what excited me about Breakthrough before I joined and why I joined is because I think we're doing it the right way. It's one-on-one -on -one with students. If they switch schools, we move with the kid, right? They don't go and have to learn a new person, meet a new program, get access to a new program. We're with them. And so when we support that individual, um, I think, and we can, we all need it, right? Uh, but we're almost like guardrails. So before people veer too far off, we help them stay back on track before it's too hard to get back on the road. Um, and especially with the slippery conditions that we had <laughs> today with the snow falling, like, like that, I, uh, uh, Remarkably apt metaphor for, for what uh, what uh, I think we all need, and and we just happen to provide it for a certain group of, of young people. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Distractions. There are a lot more distractions for young people today. Frankly, too many. And and I wish there was a way for us to better eliminate some of those as family members, parents, leaders of our community. You know, when I was a kid, that's a long time ago, Josh. <laughs> There were three TV networks. Eventually, public television came along. Mom still wanted you outside playing and, you know, come in for dinner, then go back out and then take a bath before you go to bed. Yeah. And there, there was one phone. Nobody made phone calls. There was, I mean, it was just a lot simpler, more innocent, so to speak. Today, you have the world at your fingertips with an iPhone or Samsung, whatever you have, and just a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. I, I want to walk through a little bit about the student commitment. Yeah. Because like, as I read that, I went, oh, my gosh, this is, this is, this is big, serious stuff. Yeah. And I just am so impressed. I'm, I just could walk through them real quick. And then I also want to go back to the characteristics of a breakthrough student. I thought, oh, I, I wish I could go through the program myself. So, again, this starts through, uh, this is a six-year commitment. You've start kids through sixth grade and forward. Is that right, what I just said? Yeah, that's right. You you have to enroll in one honors, pre-AP or IB course each year, starting in seventh grade. You have to earn a B minus or above on all court courses, 95% attendance. And I, that one right away, I, I said to myself, well, hold it. Some of these kids come from under-resourced situations. Transportation alone could be an obstacle, so you have to deal with that. Maintain 
This is what I love. Respectful, constructive attitude at Breakthrough Twin Cities and school. Yeah. Uh, where are my notes? Complete 90 minutes of booyah. I love that homework. Each night, complete assignments and attend workshops during high school program. Be involved, I really love this, in at least one extracurricular activity. Wow. That's a big commitment, Josh. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, but I look back on my experience and um, and you look at what colleges are looking for, you look at what makes a well-rounded adult and a productive citizen, right? And it's and it's those those aspects of how do you respectfully engage with your peers? How do you engage with your job at the time, which for students is school, um, you, you got to show up, <laughs> you got to do your work. Um, and then, you know, how do you explore passions and, and other things? And so I, I would... I want to be transparent here. Like not all of our students are meeting all of those things all the time. Right. But what we do is we set those expectations and we set a bar and we say, we're going to help you meet those. And so it's, it's having a clear goal and, and knowing what you have to achieve. I think anybody benefits from having clear expectations. And then, you know, if for some reason, ah, oh gosh, you know, you split to a C or a D or during the pandemic, we had a few F's like uh, in, in their core classes. But that didn't mean we kicked them out of breakthrough. That means, all right, you get special support and special intervention, and we're here for you. Let's talk about what's going on. And a lot of times, it's not just the class, right? There are other things that are informing that. And so with the counselor ratio uh, in Minnesota, which is awful, it's like one to 420, uh, one counselor to every 420 students. So we, breakthrough, can be someone who intervenes sooner. And, and again, those guardrails, right, keeping, keeping uh, people on track and getting them there faster um, that's how we help them do that. And with things like honors courses, not all schools offer those. So for students that don't have access to that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll work with them. But our goal for that is because say you want to go to an Ivy League school and you didn't take a math class in eighth grade, you didn't jump up to the next algebra or to geometry soon enough, you, you actually have a difficult time making up those credits to even be eligible. And you, how would you know to make that decision as an eighth grader? How would your parents know to make that decision? Or you'd, you need, you know... Uh, a foreign language, two years of a foreign language, or you, what we see a lot of times, especially with lower income communities, um, is that they get to college and they actually have to take remedial courses because their public school education was not strong enough. And so then they're paying for learning and credits that they should already have um, going in. And it's an added financial burden. It's an added time burden. It's a stressor. And so by taking those honors courses, we get them started sooner. They're ahead on content. They don't have to worry about those remedial courses. And they're in cohorts of students that reinforce positive behaviors. And that gets back to that community piece, right? When, when you come to a breakthrough site, it's usually set in a school. I, I can't think of a time when it's not set in a school. But it feels not like school. We've got music in the hallways. Students are dancing. We're super loud. But that's a student experience. And even with all that, almost like what feels like chaos, it's organized. We really don't have any fights. Like we don't, we, we have a lot of really respectful behavior because that's the tone that's set and that's the community norm that we're establishing and the expectations that we hold people accountable to. Mm. I'm going to go back to something that you said and kind of didn't say, and, and I'm going to elaborate from my experiences so as not to put you kind of on a hook. Yeah. When you, you said that, um, the, the compliance with the commitments, it, it isn't so strict that, you know, you, you, you didn't meet this and you're out because they're, 
how you were addressing this, there are sometimes conditions in the life of that student that they can't control. There are conditions if you're in a single parent household where there might be other stresses, there might be other challenges that create some form of desperation, that that can be really disruptive in a person's life. And living up to commitments that we make sometimes are just really challenging. Additionally, the family members make a similar commitment for that student. And so there's that relationship. So I like how you say there's guardrails at breakthrough that help when those students that are that are all in have challenges, might fall behind somewhere. And then, of course, COVID. What didn't that disrupt? Right. And then those familiar things in the household that the student has absolutely no control over whatsoever. That, that you know, that's hard. So I just love how you how you, how you address Thank that. You. Well, and that's love. Well, absolutely, and that's and I think that's a more powerful motivator. And and I think about it like I lived in a loving household, right? I have I have parents who loved me and supported me and, and pushed me through that. And I made mistakes, like I messed up. And and so even in those times, like there there are. Um, and we have many students like that where punishment is, there's certainly consequences, right? We hold people accountable because that's how you have long-term learning. Um, but also there's no reason to, to write them off or, um, or cancel folks, right? It's like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's, let's continue to support and, and we'll work through this together. And, and for every action, there are positive or negative consequences. We'll deal with those and we'll move on and we're still here with you. Yeah. I'm glad I'm the only one that, on the podcast today, it hasn't made mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, Josh, that you did. I made plenty of them. I guess if people found out that their former mayor was once on probation as a young high school student because he, he made a mistake, uh, they they like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Our, our, our mayor was on probation one time? Yeah, I was. I did something really, really stupid. I got caught and I paid for it. And that's, so there you that's go. a job as a people, high school student people make and mistakes. a middle school student, right? You're supposed <laughs> to be kind of dumb. And, and I was the same yeah. way. <laughs> so how do we... Get In my case, I wasn't kind of. I was really, really dumb. So. <laughs> Degrees of dumb. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, and that's, that's just it, right? How do we support people through that? Absolutely. Instead of judging them. We do way too much of that Absolutely. nowadays. Oh, gosh. Oh, how many students do you, and then I want to go back to COVID, by the yeah. way, how many students do you currently have in your program? Right now, we've got 534, and um, most wow. of them are based in, in the St. Paul area. We've got a, a growing um, cohort in our Eastern Carver County site, which is being established. It'll take about four more years until it's a fully formed site. But then, you know, we have a number of students who move, right? I mean, they move all over the Twin Cities, but we're supporting people all over the country. As long as they want to continue to engage with us, we'll continue to get them the content and the one-on-one the -on -one mentorship, um, even if they're in Alabama. Like we had a young woman in Dubai, <laughs> and then we continued to work with her. Um, and then she moved back, and she was a year behind on graduation, but we'll stick with her. And so, um, yeah, we have 534 students right now and, and growing. Tell me about the huge, before we go to COVID, tell me about the huge financial commitment on the part of the student and the family member. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we go deep into their pocketbooks, uh, and that's really what we strive for, to take all their money. Uh, but that, no, we, of course, are joking. It's completely tuition-free. Um, we scholarship every one of our students. Um, it's about a $15,000 investment per student uh, over the course of that six years, uh, where they get the one-on-one -on -one mentorship, the college counseling, the 
um, multiple years of, of summer programming that's both academic and social emotional, uh, the year-round uh, Saturday sessions that we do during the school year, uh, and it's completely free to families uh, who are participating. By doing the math, so that's uh, $500,000, that's $500, like $650,000 for a student over the course of, am I missing a zero? Um, so, well, so, no. so I'd have to, I haven't multiplied those, those components, but yeah, so it's, I mean, it, it's a big number. It's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What happened during COVID? Yeah. Um, it was really difficult. Uh, you know, we, we saw a lot of our students who had been A and B students, uh, dip down to D and F, um, in some of their important classes. And we, um, we also, uh, saw a lot of our students who were um, getting isolated and feeling really lonely. That was uh, one of the biggest aspects is, um, as we've seen our, our incoming student applications, uh, so many are saying, I, I need friends. Like, I'm looking for a, a community, right, if I were to paraphrase. And so um, those, those academic um, disadvantages, those, like, social and, and maturation components like I'm talking with teacher friends or or other folks in schools and they're like I'm working with these juniors and they're asking acting like freshmen it's like well yeah they haven't socialized for two years and they're still kind of freshmen uh in their brains and so those are we've seen that at breakthrough and it's certainly been expounded when you have to worry about do you have a computer to use at home if districts aren't providing one-to-one uh technological devices I have access to you know adequate internet and wi-fi services um, what does it look like to, you know, I'm fortunate where my spouse and I have a home where we can work here in separate rooms um, and there isn't any kind of audio that we have to work through, right? I can sit and have a conversation with you and she can work on her calls uh, just fine. But when you're one of six kids, eight kids, <laughs> and you're all in the same household, um, some of you in school, some of you may be younger, um, like that's really hard to concentrate and it's really hard to, to stay focused and abreast of what's happening. And then there's a huge demand on time management skills, which at uh, 12 year olds, <laughs> you know, some are, my, my spouse is one of those people who is very organized and she can manage her time. Well, I was not. <laughs> and so, you know, without that added support and uh, uh, accountability and structure um, of school that, that a classroom provides that a teacher can provide being there in person, the, you know, the casual reminders that teachers do when they just walk up to a student, don't even say anything, but just their physical presence helps them get back on track. Um, you know, those things aren't present when you're alone in your house. And so um, I think we're going to see the effects of, of, those, of these two years um, uh, for a long time. And, and our hope is that we can help um, bring students back up, <laughs> to, you know, to their, to their potential and, and even where they were sooner um, by having a community of support. Josh, at any time during that black swan event, were you concerned that this this could this could shudder breakthrough? This could put us out of business for a while or maybe longer. The the we've had an interesting organizational life cycle. So actually, right before I so I, well, I started a breakthrough as an interim, um, and my job was to uh, stop it from closing. Um, and we we just had the perfect storm of um, uh, financial issues at that point in time. We actually had to close one of our sites. We had to lay off half of our staff. Um, it was a very difficult portion. And I've spent my entire time since that point, which is in 2016, building the organization back up. And fortunately, we had been very focused on 
reserves. Uh, we've been focused on, you know, what does it look like for long-term organizational sustainability? That's part of this partnership with um, Eastern Carver County, uh, where, where we'll receive money from the school district to help support our efforts. And we had also just received a, um, a grant uh, from the Cargill Foundation. Um, Cargill's uh, the largest private company in the world, and it's located <laughs> in Minnesota, pretty close to the cities. And so fortunately, we didn't think we would close during this pandemic, but we had also done years of legwork to, to really fortify ourselves because we had lived through that experience of, of an existential question. Would we be around? And, um, and I, I never want to go through that again. I never want to have to break our promise to students that we wouldn't support them through those six years. Um, it's just not uh, aligned with our values. And so we need to do what we have to do to help secure that for them. Man, man, I am talking to the real deal here. This is a real social entrepreneur. Uh, by the way, eight million. When I was on probation, apparently I missed the multiplication piece. Eight I million. At, That's what it I, cost. I did it too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, given that that it's eight million and five hundred plus students, how many students could you serve if there were no limitations to funding, accessibility, et cetera. How many do you think you could? Yeah. Are well, so then the next limiting, and I've, I've thought about this and we've strategically asked this question. The next limiting factor is actually the second part of our mission, which is cultivating the next generation of educators. And so we serve students right now, but then as a part of that work, we engage other young people, a little bit older, older high school students, college students, to be our teaching fellows. So people will actually teach our summer program, facilitate our Saturday sessions, um, and, and recruiting people to be those educators. Um, and so uh, I would love to continue to expand in more students, uh, to, to reach more students. Uh, you know, there's certainly a need, uh, not just in the Twin Cities, but everywhere. But, um, but what we also need is access to staffing, <laughs> which is, you know, uh, no unique thing to break through Twin Cities. And how do we engage young people in pursuing a career in education? Teaching's tough. Um, I've been a teacher myself. I've been a, a school board member and, and worked with the, um, you know, difficulties of a whole system and, and trying to support teachers with limited resources um, and, and limited state resources. And so I, I think trying to, that's, that's the next barrier that would keep us from really growing is, um, is if we had all the money in the world, how do we make sure we have the great people to engage students? And, and part of that work is to put someone in the front of the classroom who looks like our students. And, um, and who can connect with them in a different way than maybe our, our you know, current education system allows for. Mm. By the way, thank you for being willing to put yourself out there to be a school board oh. member. My sister currently is in Reno doing the same thing. There it's countywide. Yeah. And there, the, those are jobs of passion and love because you're not making any money. And for every person that says you're doing a great job, which is rare, there's plenty of people that say, excuse my language, you really suck at what you're doing. There are just so many critics, right? Yep, yep. I know. I was in that yep. deal for 10 years as a commissioner and yep. mayor. So if you're out for dinner and somebody comes and educates you about what they think you stink. Yep, so yep. thank you for doing that. Sure. Likewise, likewise. <laughs> So eight million bucks. Tell, tell us how um, your partners help you th through the financing and funding um, 
mechanism for your your whole organization? How does that work? For yeah, you? it's it's really unique. So um, breakthrough uh, has really strong results that we can prove. So we've got a lot of great data that backs up um, the impact that we make and and how truly wonderful our students are. And um, you see that in our graduation rates, um, in our college persistence rates. So even though we stop uh, our direct engagement with students when they graduate high school, our students continue to exceed the the not only students for their demographic, but the Minnesota state average for college graduation rates um, because they're prepared and, and they're well-rounded and we connect them with resources on the college campuses. And so we that type of um, impact, the, those types of results, play really well with um, institutional uh, donors. So foundations, um, you know, uh, that, that we write a proposal for and, and send it in because uh, we can clearly demonstrate that. Uh, and, and we have the data to back it up. And that's the type of thing that um, those type of philanthropists uh, can really look for. We have also an event. So we do a, a gala event that, uh, that uh, earns about $200,000, $250,000 a year, which is really huge for us. Um, that, that's really big and goes a long way. And then we have this sort of individual donor component where, um, and this is this seems to be the case with a lot of different breakthroughs, but um, we're kind of a, a secret. <laughs> uh, so not a lot of individuals know about us. Uh, and, and I encounter it all the time where, where someone will find out from a friend or, um, you know, they'll hear a podcast or, you know, we'll, we had a, a great little news story uh, recently on a, a local news station. And, and I'll talk to them, like, how did I not know about this? Like, how did I not know what you all are doing and, and how you're approaching this? And so I think that's our next challenge is how do we build that, that base of individuals who care deeply about the community, who care about students having equal access to educational opportunities um, and, and help them support our work. And so that's, I think, the next we're, – we're, we're sort of – hitting a, a ceiling uh, of local foundations that can help support our work. And if we're going to grow, it will have to come from individuals who, um, you know, believe deeply in our mission and the young people we serve. When is the gala event? Yeah. Uh, April 28th, 2022. So it's uh, uh, in the twin cities at a location called Pika and um, uh, tickets are on sale <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Without using a name, tell me about one of your favorite success stories that have come through Breakthrough Twin Cities, what their life was like when they applied, you accepted their application, and then they've graduated and gone on to do something else. Yeah. Tell me about that person. Yeah, there, there are a lot of um, really incredible young people we get to work with. I think, I think someone who had uh, probably the most profound uh, one of the most profound experiences with Breakthrough um, was a young woman. And, uh, we, you know, we met her as a sixth grader, like we did with uh, the rest of our students. And um, the entire six years that she was with Breakthrough, she was uh, she and her family were experiencing homelessness, um, including two years where uh, her family moved down south. And um, to, to this young woman's credit, um, she continued to engage with breakthrough, right? And so it's not just breakthrough providing this, like she, she opted in to continue to get the content that we would go through on Saturday sessions to continue to engage in the one-on-one -on -one college counseling and, and look ahead. And so, um, uh, and then came back to, to Minnesota for her senior year and we were able to be with her for, for graduation. She's now gone on and uh, she got her uh, bachelor's degree uh, out East. She's worked to um, 
improve the um, uh, feminine hygiene situation uh, abroad uh, in Senegal specifically, um, and, and is now doing an entire PhD at Michigan on that type of work, right? How can she uh, change the uh, social views of feminine hygiene and what periods are in, in areas of poverty internationally and how to support women through not just the physical aspects of it, but the mental aspects of, of the um, socialized aspects of what periods mean in those communities. Um, and so it's, um, it, it's just a really incredible experience of, of her lived upbringing, her personal drive, and, and breakthroughs uh, support to help her navigate through you know, things that her family just didn't have access to or knowledge about. Yeah, that is uh, powerful. Uh, in third world countries, the the numbers that she's addressing with her passion, I mean, that's a big deal. That is a big, big deal. Josh, what's your personal goal? What, what, what do you really want to accomplish, if it's fair for me to ask you that question? Yeah, gosh. Um, I think for me, it, it, it sends back to almost the beginning of our conversation, Mike, where I've, my hope is to leave places better than how I found them. And so um, when I, 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 I've been blessed with a lot of privilege, um, you know, I'm someone who's, who's capable, uh, I'm part of a loving family, I grew up in a loving community um, with a lot of resources and support. And so I think it's incumbent upon me to, to leverage that to, to make the world a better place. And I, and I benefit from that because I feel good. And, and I, you know, I learn uh, as well. And so I, I think for me, it's, how can I leverage those skills, capabilities to, to help the world be better? And right now that's Breakthrough Twin Cities. Um, my experience as a teacher when I taught fourth grade, my experience as a school board member to understand educational systems, my experience as a nonprofit leader through Students Today Leaders Forever all came together and, and it was a perfect fit for what Breakthrough needed at that time. And, and I hope that the, the skills that I've learned at Breakthrough, navigating through change, helping us unlearn unhelpful practices uh, that we had and, and be a, continue to be a relevant part of our community um, and, and serve students in a way that fits them. Like, I, I, I hope to leverage that now. Uh, and, and whenever the next um, opportunity comes around, I think um, that's, I hope to, to improve upon that. You have a magic wand. Okay. And you can wave it over the heads of students and family members that are right now considering filling out and then submitting an application to Breakthrough Twin Cities. What's the one thing you want them to know? I want them to know that we're there for them. So I want them to know that they have a resource and that we're not going to dictate what they want to do. You know, some students get to high school and they actually don't want to go to college. We had a young woman who wanted to be an electrician. We have many who choose the military. Um, uh, and, and so we want to support them in being the best version of their self, themselves and creating the, the opportunity for choice, right? If they don't want to go to a four-year institution, we want that to be a choice that they make, not because they can't access a four-year institution. And so what I want those students and families to know is that they have a resource and breakthrough that will help them for the next six years to walk through whatever they're facing, whether it's education related or not, we can connect them with other resources and that they have a partner and they don't have to do it alone. I love it. Me too. <laughs> Here's another magic wand okay, question all right. for you. 
you 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 mentioned that you've uh, been real uh, fortunate tapping local foundations, etc., in Twin Cities. But I'm going to tell you, there's got to be at least 20,000 people between the two cities, easily, easily, because I have some firsthand experience in that yeah. city, that could write out a $50,000 or $100,000 check. They wouldn't bat an eyelash. Yeah. They wouldn't bat an eyelash. You have a magic wand that you're going to wave over the heads of those folks. What's the one thing you want them to know? And then I'm going to follow up with something that I'm going to share with them. What's the one thing you want them to know about breakthrough? Yeah. What I want them to know is we are um, a navigator. We're, I I want them to know that um, we're not saving kids, right? Like that's, that's not our job is to save kids, to save families. These are capable individuals who are um, incredibly resilient in navigating circumstances that that I can only fathom. And and so what their support uh, would do if they were to to invest in breakthrough is that they're creating a pathway and leveling the playing field the same way that they would do for their own children. And and so I think that um, and I think there's a, a, a similar reward, right? I think it's a little different when it's your own child and you've you've raised them and you know, change their diapers and all that good stuff, but there's something about being a part of someone's journey, but knowing that they also still have the individual agency and, and are going to like live their, their best decisions and be a contributing member of society. And, and in some cases it'll be also not a detractor, right? Like we're, we're saving money and we're, we're building a tax base, right? Like if you're thinking at it from an economic standpoint. And so this investment in students, this investment in future teachers, this investment in breakthrough is, creating a stronger society that that they have a real opportunity to contribute to. Mm. Beautifully put. And I'm going to add just a couple yeah. things. As a guy that's been in public service for 10 years, been involved in economic development for over 30 mm. on local and broader uh, efforts, I'm going to go back to how we kind of started our conversation for for you to have a chance as a as a community that people want to come to or want to stay, people want to invest or not. Here are some things you absolutely have to have. You have to have dependable, sustainable water. You, that's just absolutely fundamental. You have to have accessible, quality health care. Both of those are available in the Twin Cities. Not everyone has the same access, but it's there. Mm-hmm. You have to have people that care. I'm talking to one right now. <laughs> the person that doesn't care just about him, he cares about the community. Yeah. And then you have to have access to quality education and above for these reasons. Those folks that have some either under-resourced situation in their life or variables that they can't really control. Remember that young person that just Josh just talked about that wants to change the world when it comes to feminine hygiene, which you might not think that's a big problem in Minneapolis, St. Paul or Bloomington or Shakopee, whatever, but it's a huge problem globally. No. 
Those are the kind of people that come through breakthrough and they're going to change the world. And they're going to look back and say, I sure appreciate what that person over there did with that 10 or $20,000 check or that person or that person, not just the staff at Breakthrough, not just Josh, not just the partners that uh, in terms of foundation wise made this incredible opportunity for me, but all those people that made a personal investment. Thank you so much. Those are the people that are going to make your community even better even healthier, more vibrant, not just for today, but for the next generation, the generation after. That's why you have to care and want to contribute. Josh, what's the best place for people to find Breakthrough Twin Cities? Other than, by the way, it's going to be on MikeSeminary.com. We're going to put all that stuff there, but where's the best place for them <laughs> After to you go to MikeSeminary.com, then you're going to want to go to BreakthroughTwinCities.org. Uh, and there you can read more about our organization. There's a great donate link. Uh, which we encourage you to click, and uh, and you can see more about the wonderful young people we serve and the the staff and board that help support that work. Yeah, God bless you, Josh. Thanks for, for the, thank you for the wonderful things you're doing. Social entrepreneurs just have this special place in my heart because they love people, they love their communities. They you know they really give a damn. You know, <laughs> uh, and I'm not saying that other people don't, but it takes a real special person. Because, I mean, first of all, one of the things you're always doing is you're always trying to raise money. Yeah. And if, if people haven't done that, you, you know, maybe went out and did it for one special event. But if you're doing it over and over and over again, and you're still as passionate as Josh, you're still <laughs> excited as Josh, that's the kind of people we need to be supporting. By <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and thanks for the opportunity to tell a great story about Breakthrough and uh, get uplifted for the rest of my day. <laughs> Well, by golly, have a great day. I, I said by golly twice in one podcast. I cannot do that. Everybody knows where I'm from. I said, <laughs> Oofta. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll get you. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Mike.